You are live with Get Connected. I'm Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. You've tuned in to Canada's most popular tech radio program. And we've got uh, an awesome show for you today. Uh, in the program, we will be talking about the next evolution of smart home technology when it comes to Wi-Fi. We all have Wi-Fi in our houses. That's how we get internet and how a lot of smart devices talk to the network and the internet, everything from Roombas to smart lights to Amazon Echoes, all of that. Well, now there are companies that are using that to trigger things with their products. We're gonna be talking about one company, Wiz. They make smart lights. It's the same company, uh, they're called Signify. They own Philips Hue, which is a very popular smart home lighting uh, system as well. Well, with the Wiz brand, they use Wi-Fi. And so they're gonna do an update to the app that will allow you to use their bulbs as motion sensors. Try to wrap your head around that. So you have to have at least two bulbs, but they will know when you enter and leave a room. Isn't that, I mean, from the nerd side, I'm like, wow. And then I know a lot of people listening are going, oh my God, <laughs> that's creepy. Don't spill the whole beans. No, but we're gonna talk about yeah. how it all works. And yeah. do you want to have this in your home? We are also going to talk about AI generated art again. This is just like kind of exploding now. We've talked about it a number of times on our programs. It's these new bots, these AI artificial intelligence bots that can actually make photorealistic, brilliant art, like as good as humans, if not better. Yeah, because it's drawing on so many different sources of millions of raw material pieces of information and graphics and these are all original and so we've been talking about one called midjourney.ai midjourney.ai that's kind of one of the best ones out there right now well it depends who you talk to <laughs> okay but what's happening now you know these stock photo sites stock photo sites are like getty images companies like that where you can go if you're you know needing a, a graphic or a photograph for like a, a project a commercial a report website websites you can go there and buy images yeah for as cheap as pennies but it can be hundreds of dollars depending on the rights and and the usage and the usage well a lot of these stock photo and video sites now are banning computer computer generated art or ai generated art and we're going to tell you why we'll also be talking about electric cars again, Uber is rolling out a new service called Comfort Electric or Electric Comfort. They've got a number of different tiers when you uh, go through the app. You can get like the Uber X, which is the cheap one. There's Uber Green. There's also Uber XL for larger vehicles and the list goes on. So they have this new electric option. So you'll get like a, a Polestar, which is a type of electric car or a Tesla. Well, it's kind of interesting when you see why they're going that way. And it's because governments are mandating these ride-sharing companies, taxi companies, have electric, feats, uh, electric fleets of cars by certain dates, depending what country and state you're in. And it's coming sooner than you think, and we'll explain all about that. And uh, we'll talk about Air Canada. They're uh, trying out some short-haul future flights with hybrid electric planes. Which is fascinating. I know. Would you wanna be in an electric plane? It's probably a lot quieter. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. That'd be amazing. Okay, let's uh, look at some of the tech news here on Get Connected that we're following. SpaceX, uh, one of Elon Musk's companies uh, that launches rockets into space, uh, they've been launching his Starlink satellites, uh, which I guess is another company <laughs> of his that provides 
high-speed satellite internet service around the world now. So just to set the stage here, they've got over 3,000 satellites launched. He wants to launch another 42,000 to have like the ultimate coverage. So he's providing coverage in a lot of remote areas and pretty well most places in the world now. We've talked to a number of people that love this service. They weren't able to get high-speed internet where they were, and now they can. Not cheap. You know, it's about 130, 150 bucks a month in Canada. But I mean, if you look at high-speed internet, like from a TELUS, Rogers, Shaw, it gets up there, right? Yeah. But also, the challenge with TELUS, Rogers, and Shaw is you can't get those services everywhere. No. And Elon has just said his plan is to have 70% of Canada covered with Starlink access by the end of the year. Amazing. Well, they're testing this out in Antarctica now. <laughs> As you can imagine, it's hard to get internet down there. So uh, one of the U.S. bases is testing out a Starlink receiver. And so with a combination of that and obviously the space Starlink satellites and space lasers. I don't know how that all works. <laughs> I just like saying space lasers. Space lasers. I think it's an awesome term. Yeah. They are basically testing this to get them better, higher speed internet and more reliable access. Have, have you ever seen the, the these bases in Antarctica? They're kind of like having like an ISS in the snow. Yeah. Because uh, it's very hard to get to and very limited supplies. They have to wait for the resupplies. Well, this U.S. one, you know how many people they have during the summer months? Summer in Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. A thousand people. Yeah. That is a lot of people to cram into these bases. I actually follow a couple of people on TikTok that are on those bases, and they yeah. just do tours all the time showing you what's going on and the challenges of being in Antarctica, which is really fascinating. Yeah, and getting internet for their TikTok videos. That's right. Anyway, it's just, we are living in a, a fast-changing world now, and this is one of the technologies we are following. In the next 10 years, things are going to change from a telecommunications and internet access perspective. Right now, we're relying a lot on you know land-based and wired-based systems to get this connectivity. You know, obviously wireless with 5G, that's, that's a whole thing. But space and satellites, that's going to change the whole paradigm in the next 10 years. Yeah. There will be a future where you might get your telephone access and your internet access from space. To flip side that conversation. Yes. I found a really interesting story about the fact that one of the biggest consumers of a ancient technology is the airline industry. Guess okay. which technology that is? The, I don't know. The industry that buys the most floppy disks is the airline industry. Sorry, floppy disks. Floppy disks. I bet some listeners don't even know what a floppy disk is. Yeah, I think a lot of them probably do. Yeah. But it's fascinating to, because a lot of these things, um, were deployed on airplanes and a lot of the airplanes that we fly on every day are decades old. They've just been well taken care of. But how much information, you know how much info you can fit on a floppy disk? What is it, 1.44 megabytes? Something like that, yeah. It's like nothing, what, yeah. what is on there? A text file? Help, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're crashing. I don't know, apparently it's a still a fairly robust system okay. uh, for I guess the challenges of being uh, in a plane, you know, turbulence yeah. and all that kind of stuff, whereas some mediums don't uh, do well in that environment. But like, but what kind of information would be in on a floppy disk? Um, 
basically it's it's used in the planes avionics in on the flight deck and they um they have a lot of crucial navigation databases stored on these things i'm thinking because it's probably just a bunch of numbers right that only makes sense to a pilot yeah it's not like it's gps maps or anything like that like it's just literally a bunch of coordinates and things like that so why can't they do that with a flash drive i don't know i don't know maybe it would cost too much to retrofit these these airplanes these airplanes yeah do you remember the first floppy disk you ever bought mine was a five and a quarter inch you know the true floppy ones before they went to the hard cased three i i had the five and a quarter but the first one i purchased for my personal computer would have been a um uh the three and a half really i remember because in school um I got accepted into the computer science department. And I use that term loosely because <laughs> they had two Apple computers yeah. for like, you know, 50 kids. Yeah. So, I mean, two kids could go on and everyone watched. But but you had to have your own floppy disk. Right. And so I remember, because uh, I lived in Coquitlam, British Columbia, which is a suburb of Vancouver. And I went down to Paragon Computers in Coquitlam Plaza or across from Coquitlam Plaza. And they sold floppy disks individually. And... I think I paid like $8 for that disc. And it was just magical to me because I could store all my stuff on there. Well, I, I started out with tape drives. Yeah. So cassette tapes. For uh, yeah, me stuff. too. Yeah, I did too. And it would take forever to, like you'd have to hit record yeah. and then send all the data to it. Yeah. With a and floppy hope, drive. And hope to God it saved. Well, it almost never did properly, no. right? Or there's some glitch with it. But then when the, you got a floppy drive, it was just like magical like you said yeah and because it i mean it wasn't instantaneous but it was way faster than the previous way well we've come a long ways from those days except i guess airlines some airlines are still using that we're going to have to take a break here we still have a lot to talk about on get connected today we'll talk about how the stock photo sites aren't accepting computer generated art We'll explain why we will also uh, be talking about the reason why all these Ride-sharing companies are going electric. It's it's an important reason. And uh, next up, we'll talk about how your smart bulbs are using your Wi-Fi network to know if you are in the room or not. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Still lots to talk about on today's program. Coming up in a bit, we'll talk about computer or artificial intelligent generated art. Big topic. We've talked about it a number of times. It's getting serious now. There's uh, stock photo sites, the big ones, will not accept them as submissions. You can submit real photos or art that you've made yourself, but not computer-generated art, where artificial intelligence generates it completely. We'll also be talking about the reason why these ride-sharing companies like the Ubers and Lyfts of the world have to go electric. And that's in, in kind of uh, prompted by Uber. They've got a new electric car service in Vancouver, among 25 other cities in North America. Let's talk about smart Wi-Fi now. I'm going to call it smart Wi-Fi. It's kind of, from a, like I said, a nerd perspective, amazing. And on the other perspective, I think normal people <laughs> are going to think this is kind of creepy. Uh, so Wiz, they are a smart lighting company. They're owned by Signify who also owns Philips Hue, which is another smart lighting brand. So what's unique about Wiz's smart lights? Maybe not unique, but how they communicate with your your router and with each other is through Wi-Fi. Because a lot of these other ones like Philips, they're using different standards called like ZigBee or Z-Wave or even Bluetooth. Yeah. And they have to have like a hub or something to make it all work. 
it's a little different. It's a different frequency. It doesn't interfere with other things. Yes. Uh, so there's pros and cons to both approaches. But I'm always been a big fan of the Wi-Fi approach just because it's I like easier. It. I've got both in my house. Yeah. I have Philips Hue. And I love them. There's some yeah. really cool things they're doing there. And I, I got into the Wiz ones because they had some really kind of unique uh, versions of the bulbs, you know, like the little floodlights and yeah. hot lights. And they've even got like kind of the candle ones because I have these weird lights in my in my bedroom that take the little candle shaped ones. Right. And they had that as well. And they're very inexpensive. They're inexpensive compared to a lot of the other smart lighting out there. And I love the fact that it was Wi-Fi. I didn't have to hook up another hub or anything. I just kind of screwed them in and through the app got them set up, which was, I, I thought, fairly easy. Well, they have an update coming to the app, and it's got a new technology called Space Sense. So this works in conjunction with your Wi-Fi router, like pretty well all Wi-Fi routers out there. That's how you get internet in your house. And you have to have at least two of these bulbs in the room. And they make all sorts of different shapes and sizes, but they have to have two bulbs in the room. And what's happening is these bulbs, in conjunction with your Wi-Fi router, because of the Wi-Fi signals are going back and forth, no, because they can see it. Because well, your room is blanketed with Wi-Fi, yeah. basically. And you're kind of blocking some of it <laughs> as you go through it. Which is why Wi-Fi degrades as it goes through walls and other things. And people. And people. So with this new technology and this update to the app, it acts as a motion sensor. So if I've got a, at least two of these bulbs in my family room, for example, which I do, when I walk in the room now, if I have this feature turned on, it will know because it can sense that something human-like is coming into the room and turn the lights on automatically. What if a ghost goes into your room? Well, it, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't tested that out. They say that you can adjust the sensitivity so that if you've got pets. Well, that's what I was wondering too. Like how big of a moving target does it need to be? Yeah, so I don't know if it's like the size of the target or like the height. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so now we're letting all the burglars know you got to crawl, <laughs> crawl through <laughs> people's houses. So I think that's cool because I've got a couple rooms where my family leaves the darn lights on all the time. I'm always going in and shutting them off. And so this would be fantastic technology because it just automatically shut off now if no one's in there. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how responsive this function is. I mean, in theory, the second something enters the space, it should be the trigger. Yep. But again, it depends on how sensitive this, this is and also the positioning of the bulbs to your router and all that. Yeah. Kind of they stuff. say it doesn't need line of sight or anything like that. Yeah. I don't, you know, and from what I understand, you don't have to kind of, if you have the two bulbs on opposite sides of the room, you don't have to cross some imaginary line. Right. It's just because these Wi-Fi signals are just being blanketed everywhere. It can detect that it's hitting something. Assuming you have good Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's the next uh, trick on there. Uh, again, it's called Space Sense. Uh, it's just working with these Wiz bulbs, W-I-Z. You can get them at Home Depot and stuff. Well, th what I like about this is that it's it's an ingenious solution to a problem because normally you would have to buy a separate device. Yeah, because Wiz makes motion sensors. Yeah. I don't need that now. Right. I think. I don't know. I haven't tested this yet. Yeah. No, well, and you know, for the price of the cost of entry for this is very inexpensive. Yeah, because you can get a couple of bulbs for like 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, I think a two pack is 20 bucks. Yeah, so this Home Depot. Dirt cheap. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to try this out. We're seeing it in other technologies as well. Linksys, they're building this into the routers, John, as kind of a security and safety feature. So if you have, I forget what they call their service, uh, but if you've got these Linksys routers, these mesh routers in your home, 
Uh, for example, if you're a senior and you fall, the Wi-Fi can see that and alert it's just, emergency It's, it's hard to wrap your brain around that, isn't it? It is. Because like, just imagine your room is filled with Wi-Fi particles. And yes. anytime those particles get pushed or moved, yeah. that can be measured now. Wi-Fi particles. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to visualize I know. what it is. I am too. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's something that's coming. I mean, Wiz and, and Linksys, these are just a couple of the companies out there right now that are going to be offering these services. But you will see this in a lot of other devices coming up. Because in theory, you could then not just turn on the lights, but in theory, you could also trigger things like start recording on the cameras that are in that exactly room, that kind of thing right yeah. so from from a, well, i mean most most of the cameras have motion sensing built into them right true yeah yeah but this could be an early uh it could start all the cameras going yeah, yeah. just especially if it's a burglar or something like that or the room would come out right <laughs> and clean up whatever mess someone's going to uh, leave. Okay, we're going to have to take another break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about where all this artificial intelligent generated art is going. It's it's becoming an issue for a lot of different industries, including the stock photography sites, and we'll tell you why. You're listening to Get Connected, back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. Coming up, we still have a lot more to chat about, including going electric. How soon before you won't be able to buy a gas-powered car anymore? It's coming faster than you think. And for some industries like taxi fleets, ride-hailing fleets like Uber and Lyft, it's coming even sooner. Let's talk about uh, AI-generated art once again. And it feels like we're talking about this every week now, but things are moving quickly here, John. Very quickly. Yeah. Because it's gotten that good. And we haven't even seen the video AI-generated stuff happening. That's coming in the next couple of years, from what I understand, if not sooner. It's it's kind of here now. Is it? Well, people are using these these tools to create stills and creating multiple stills. Okay. And because you can influence and, and guide it, basically, you get to have almost like an animation coming out of yeah. these things. But I mean, that's just gonna, that, that hasn't even exploded yet. No. No. So there are a number of different types of... Um, what do you call these things like art generators? We've talked about midjourney.ai. What are some of the other ones, John? Uh, there's stable diffusion. There's Dolly. Um, there's a number that you can do if you have a really powerful computer. You can download them to your computer. Yeah. Uh, but most people probably are using the cloud because there's much more processing power possible. Because it's happening on someone else's system, right? right? And yeah. so you typically have to pay for that computer time, which is why these services are not free. Stable Diffusion is the only one that I've tried that truly is free because you can you download it to your computer and you run it locally. Yeah. Um, but it does have the limitations of the fact it's only as good as the data set that you just downloaded. So there's all sorts of things coming up now when it comes to the rights of this art that's generated. Like who owns it? Well, and this is interesting because I think it really depends on A, the tool that generated it, but also to some degree, the these tools all work from data sets. So they've been taught or shown thousands, millions of photos. What dogs look like, what humans look like. Right. So Art if you get something generated work. and it's in the style of Andy Warhol, well, does Andy Warhol's estate have a stake in that? Because it's probably been influenced by his original art. Yeah. I mean, technically it's art from art. Yeah. But 
you could also incorporate other things like known celebrities or certain landmarks or certain vehicles, those types of things, right? So there's it's it's a really gray area, and what we've been starting to see is that these uh, stock photography sites, specifically Getty Images, is probably one of the biggest ones, uh, have decided to not allow this type of artwork to be sent to them because they don't want to now or in in the near future be responsible for the copyright lawsuits that could come from this because of this gray area about who owns the rights to these generated images, whether it's the the system that generated it, the artist that triggered it, or influenced by the raw material that was used to train the bot. It's like almost, you know, music artists using samples of other artists' songs, right? It, yeah, and it's it, that's a very, it, you would think it would be cut and dry, but there's a lot of artists that get by with sampling very well-known songs, but they've manipulated them in such a way you would never know that is a Beatles sample, for example, yeah. because they've they've turned it around, they reversed it, they've pitch shifted, they've done a bunch of things to it. That manipulation at some point sort of loses its connection to the original source. Um, but the other interesting side with this, digital stuff is that sometimes you can, especially using other digital tools, figure out where the source came from. Yeah. So uh, it, it it's really, I think, too soon to, to say for sure what the, what, what the long-term impact is going to be because of the copyright issues. I mean, this, I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a huge Pandora's box that's been opened and the, we're not ready for it. Correct. It's because yeah. it, like, like, like you said off the top, we talk about this a lot because there's a lot's happening literally on a daily basis in this space. Well, there was a, an art competition in Denver, Colorado, and the winner was a guy that submitted a piece of artwork that a computer generated completely on its own. Yeah. And he won. Yeah. As you can imagine, the other human artists, not happy about it. Yeah, but I'll, do you remember when there was a big uproar when things like synthesizers and drum machines were starting to come out. Yeah. People, musicians were like, oh, that's not music. I'm like, is it though? Yeah. <laughs> like how you got there doesn't really matter. What yeah. tools you use in your toolbox. And most artists want to have a unique toolbox to do that. Um, arguably, these tools are making anyone become an artist because you can just sort of visualize uh, in words, what you want something to be made, and you can just keep hitting the the regenerate button until you get something like you're looking for. Versus me trying to describe to you or an artist saying, "Yeah, paint me some trees and some clouds." Like, like I can just in words tell these bots what I want. And I'd be honest, most of the time when I've done that, the results vastly exceed my expectation. Yeah, and like you and I have talked about this a lot offline and it's like, it's unbelievable what you can get. But what is the future, John, though? Like, you have to see some of this artwork. It is freaking amazing. And I'm just wondering, is that going to deter people from becoming like real artists? No, I, I, I don't. Like, but even, um, okay, I think, you know, the human nature is to create, is to be yeah. artistic, I think, for a lot of folks. So that's not going anywhere. But from a, um, a job perspective, people still learn how to play the drums, even though drum machines exist. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, what's interesting that we're starting to see, and I, I did not expect to see this is how these systems work is you give it a bunch of keywords yeah. or phrases to sort of influence the, the, the result, the, the result. Um, people are actually selling 
combinations of keywords that guarantee a certain style or a certain end result. Really? They're yeah. selling the keywords. There's yeah. But how, how they, they call it phrases. Yeah. And and so there's there's websites That's pretty easy to copy, isn't it? Well, they they don't share what the keywords are. They yeah. just show what the output is. And yeah. cuz that happens a lot. I mean cuz it's easy and hard at the same time. It is. Yeah, cuz for a cl- one of our clients, we we're making a website for them. They wanted one of these, you know, AI generated pieces cuz they're they were an art company on the front of their website and I I got you to help. Yeah. And they they kind of wanted a specific kind of look and feel. Yeah. It wasn't I mean, I mean some amazing things came up, but it was not easy. No, and it's very iterative, and it, it's not unlike an artist learning how to paint in a certain style. Yeah, um, you have to figure out how to how to get the the tools to work the way you want them to. Yeah, you can't just say "pretty girl." Yeah, walking a dog in Paris. Well, to to sort of follow up on that example, we were trying to generate something that looked like a sculpture. Yes, the problem is with these AI bots is quite often they look really deformed. Yeah. They, it still has a hard time creating perfect faces and uh, human forms, and so. But are they? Do, I think some of them are doing that on purpose. Well, probably, yeah. But it's just really interesting how you know you think you have all the right keywords, and then you discover some new ones. Like I discovered some new ones the other day that took my generated images from you know, let's say a four to like an eight. Really? Out of 10. Yeah. And it's, it's it's like what words were those, John? Well, here's my PayPal. Um, <laughs> no, literally just adding something like as simple as epic and cinematic. Ah. Uh-huh. It turned it into these like huge landscapes that could easily be backplates for like a Star Wars film. Yeah. Right. Compared to what I was getting, which was already fantastic, but it it just you just add certain keywords like that to the rest of your phrase, and it dramatically increases the the quality of the output. At least that's what I found. Yeah. We've been talking all about uh, computer-generated artwork. Uh, this story is just like really getting bigger and bigger. These uh, these systems that do it are amazing, and we're running into all the implications now from copyright uh, to you know who who does own the art, and this is far from over. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about electric cars. How soon before you won't be able to buy a gas-powered car? You'll be surprised. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all our podcasts up there for this show and our sister program, the app program. The app program, the app show. Uh, along with lots of great uh, how-to videos and uh, tech video reviews. Time to go electric again, John. Uh, we talk a lot about electric vehicles because uh, more and more are being sold. Uber is really pushing the electric car rides as well. They have a a, a new, uh, I guess, offering called uh, Comfort Electric. If you go into the app, you can choose what kind of car service you want. Uh, UberX is the cheapest. They've got Uber XL, Uber Comforts, and now Uber Electric. Uh, typically you will pay a little bit more for an electric vehicle, but, uh, I guess the idea is you'll be helping the environment by not riding in a gas car. So the big reason is, uh, Uber has committed to being zero carbon emissions by 2040. There's also a number of jurisdictions, uh, like California is a big one. I think it's by 2030 or 2035, uh, that a lot of these fleet vehicles, uh, and ride sharing companies have to be fully electric, uh, as well. Uh, the new Uber... Comfort Electric 
service has been rolled out to 25 North American cities. And Vancouver is the first Canadian one, which is kind of interesting. But I can see why. Like, you can literally throw a rock in Vancouver and hit a Tesla. They're just everywhere. They are. I play a game now on the way home because our studio is down here in Strathcona on Hastings. And my home is in White Rock, which is about an hour commute. I count how many Teslas I see along the way. It's like punch buggy. It is. Uh, I think the best best uh, trip home, it always seems, seems to be on the way home I do this, 50 Teslas. There's a lot. Now I'm going to do that. Because <laughs> it's probably the same. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're both taking the carpool lane. Yes. Which is a nice bonus of having electric. And um, there is usually like a little caravan of Teslas around me. It's weird, right? Yeah. 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 But I, I can see why a lot of people do. Like if you're doing any type of commute, and th- this is the main reason I, I got one, John, is I was spending like $500 plus a month in gas. Wow. And gas just hit just over $2 yeah, in Vancouver so, this week. Yeah. It's insane, right? Yeah. So it was a no brainer for me. Uh, and at the time there was all sorts of great rebates happening. I think I got like $10,000 off through government rebates. So, you know, my car payment, let's let's say it's 600 bucks a month. And my electricity bill for the car usually is around $60 a month, $70 a month on a. Hmm. My bill only went up about $11 and I charge at home every day, but yeah. I'm using a level one charger. You've got a level two. Yes, yeah. that changed my life. Cause I, before I was just doing a normal like 110 volt, yeah. uh, which was great kind of overnight, it worked. Yeah. But if I got home at night and the kids took the Tesla out, then pfft, yeah. I was out of luck. I'd have to find like a Tesla supercharger somewhere. So I just I just called up the, the Uber app here yeah. and our studios, like you mentioned, are on Hastings Street. And to take an Uber from here to sort of downtown Vancouver at the Pan Pacific Hotel, it's, you know, it's probably about, I don't know, maybe a 10 minute drive. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Uber X, which is sort of the regular system is 1181. Yep. Okay. And so. then an Uber XL, which is the larger vehicle, that's seventeen thirty-four. Um, but the comfort is fifteen thirty-six. So you're paying about four dollars extra yeah. for the same trip, but still less than the bigger vehicle. Yeah. So if nothing else, it's a fun way to try an electric car without actually having to Yeah. And and because they're newer, right? You, you you're guaranteed like a new car. Yeah. yeah. Right? You're not gonna like, get an old Tesla beater. No, <laughs> no. Although I imagine those days are coming. Yeah, I just wonder like because there's not so many moving parts in these electric no. cars, right? Like there is no, when you open the hood, there's just more trunk space, you know? <laughs> yeah. I forget that I have all that extra space sometimes. Uh, so like how long will these cars last? You know, obviously it depends on the battery. Yeah, and most of these and are- And the electric motor, but- The batteries are typically warranted for 10 years. Yeah. And, and by that time, like, can you not imagine that there's going to be companies that make replacement batteries? That are way more efficient. Yeah. And probably more uh, energy storage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is there going to be a whole market in 10 years for these Tesla Model 3s and other electric cars where you can maybe spend, let's, I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 and get a new battery and it's like a new car? Well, I, I've heard that there's quite a big market for the Priuses that, that are pretty common taxi cabs. Yeah. They're like a hybrid electric yeah. gas. Yeah. Yeah. So their batteries and these cars are on the road 24 seven. Um, there's a huge uh, market for these batteries because they take them out of, you know, a vehicle. 
they refurbish them and they can put them back in. Really? Yeah. So I, I, the thing is with Tesla's specifically, but also some of the other brands, these aren't the most serviceable things. No. Because they're kind of like sealed and yeah, it's like a MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there is companies that know how to do this kind of stuff Yeah, and there'll be only more of those in the future. But yeah, I mean, 10 years from now, obviously it's the battery that you're most worried about. Yeah. I, I have to imagine that by the sheer amount of these cars that are going to be out there, like Tesla's, you know, getting into the millions of these things now, there's going to be companies that just specialize in either refurbishing your existing battery or just you can buy a new one. Yeah. For like not huge amounts of money. Yeah. Because I would spend like, I mean, the magic spot would be 10 grand for me. Or fifteen grand, and you get a whole new. Basically, you you're keeping the same car. You're just yeah. getting a, a new new battery platform. Well, it's interesting because I've seen a number of people uh, that have had these um, electric vehicles. Uh, Two thousand and fifteen is kind of when they all started, and they're starting. Some people are starting to have some battery issues, so they're actually taking advantage of the warranty replacement. Oh, perfect! So they're getting and brand new brand yeah. new batteries. Yeah, yeah. And some of these batteries, it depends on the company, but I've seen some of the price quotes. It can be up to $30,000 for these batteries, depending on the vehicle. Yeah. 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 But that's going to get cheaper. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. I want to thank you all for listening. And I have to give a shout out to our sister uh, radio program. It's called The App Show. It's on every Sunday here on the Chorus Radio Network. And if you're in Toronto, it's right after this program here on Saturday night. And we've got a pretty interesting uh, show for you, and I uh, encourage you to tune into that. We will uh, be talking about a really interesting big happening in the crypto space, uh, especially when it comes to Ethereum. One of the big criticisms of these uh, cryptocurrencies is the sheer amount of... Um, resources they take to actually mine the the coins energy consumption exactly like they use like entire neighborhoods worth of energy whenever there's a transaction like it's insane worse than a grow up it's worse than a grow up yet it's legal so they have uh, a new thing that's rolled out called proof of stake that cuts that down like to nothing but it changes the way that the transactions happen and the whole mining aspect happen as well. So we're going to uh, explore that. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, including John and Robin. See you again next time.